when you're ready. Um, let me just get a set up here. Oops. It's a real privilege to be back. Um, I, the last time I actually spoke in public was here, and I decided last year that I just wanted some time off speaking. I don't do a lot, but um, just wanted time to be with the Father because I just wanted to go deeper with him with no purpose of going with him to get something out of it or prepare a talk. or I just wanted to be a daughter and um, sit with my father and go deeper with him. Um, and so this is the first time back at the pulpit and there's a couple of disadvantages with that one I'm a bit rusty and then two I've got so much to say (laughs) (laughs) oh dear Um, but just a little bit about me I you know um, I've come here with two of my friends today Um, I live in Nottingham I'm a mother of three children I've got three lovely daughters um, 10 8 and 5 um, the thing that breaks me the most in life and makes me feel defeated is my five-year-old. Um, and uh, she's a very willful child, and I'm learning to channel that and not crush it. Um, I'm also a GP, um, and so actually training to be a GP was a cinch compared to motherhood. Um, and I shared some of my story about that uh, last year. Um, And more recently, we've worked overseas as a family, but more recently, um, well, not more recently, 2009, we felt the Lord call us to an area of our city that statistically most uh, people would regard it as one of the most deprived housing estates in the Trent region. And uh, we've moved there as a family. Our kids go to school there. I work there. And we're seeking how to express the Father's heart to our community. And part of that ministry, we um, have a small house of prayer. It's actually not that small. It's a four-bedroomed house, and it's set apart for prayer and a creative space where people can come, whatever state they're in, um, to experience the Father's love. And uh, this is where these guys um, fit in. Um, Well, Sam's actually been a friend for many years, but over the last few years, we've prayed together um, in the house and seeking to go deeper ourselves to encounter the father's love for ourselves, because we came to the conclusion that actually if we didn't have it we didn't have anything to give and we live in a very broken hurting community and uh and we needed something to give so we have been on a journey together um, seeking to know uh, this gospel that's supposed to transform any broken life um and lucy has been part of that more recently over the last couple of years Um, And she's brought a wonderful worshipping gift to us as a community, um, for which I'm grateful. And towards the end, they'll come and join us um, on the stage, and Luce will um, do her thing when she sings. Well, she might not sing, but she's going to play. And and Sam will join us too. Um, Brilliant. That's my preamble. Hmm. um, When I sat down with the father this week, or last week now, um, I felt him start to talk to me about tapestries, and I have never done a tapestry. I've once done long stitch. I remember when um, I was in Kenya, and my first daughter tried to come early um, out in Uganda, and we got flown to Kenya for the medical services there, and I was on bed rest for three weeks going out of my mind, and my husband bought me long stitch. So I learned how to do long stitch and create... Um, a picture. Is my mic all right? I can, I can hear it crackling. 
Is it okay to you? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so learning to make a picture out of all of these different threads. And, and this is a, a tapestry up here. And basically, you know, that would have started with a blank canvas. And in the heart of that artist, he wanted to express something of the Gospels and Jesus' love for children and Jesus' invitation for us to come as little children to him. And um, the thing is with tapestries is that it's made up of threads, individual threads. It's a long brown one here. And when we consider a thread on its own, it just seems so unique, so no, so, so insignificant, so simple, so plain, that it probably thinks there's nothing much it can do with itself. And the thing is, in the master's hands and in an artist's hands, this is threaded into something beautiful that this itself probably doesn't see. And sometimes it spends a long time at the back of the canvas, stuck amongst loads of knots, where nobody can see it, feeling unused and unloved, watching its friends that are pink and yellow and purple being protruded to the front, that they might be admired, and it's lost in the back. And sometimes I think it probably wants to be pink and purple and be at the front, but it has its time at the back. And I felt the father talking to me about us and how I believe like we can be like this thread and we can think that our lives are just so small, so insignificant. You know, we read the news, we read everything's going on. What difference do I make? You know, we look at the people at the front and think of the ministry they have to all those people and Here I am with my knitting group of the same three ladies for the last 20 years. And we can feel insignificant. And the thing is, we can also be like this thread. We can get lost in life, can't we? And we can sometimes be stuck in the knots behind the canvas. and wondering what on earth the artist is doing. You know, I'm made for something and here I am stuck amongst these lots and it's forgotten me. And we too can be like that, can't we? Thinking that. We've been forgotten and we have no purpose. Or also we can be a thread always wanting to be another thread. But this thread needs to be brown because if all of us were pink and if all of us were at the front of the canvas, we would have no picture. And the thing is, when we submit ourselves to the Father's hands, he not only makes us feel significant and want us to stay the colour we are and be who we are, but he wants to weave us in to make an incredible picture that displays the Father's heart to the world. And I believe our purpose in life is to glorify God. And I believe that we do that when we become fully who God has created us and set us apart to be as individuals. I believe that we glorify God when we are fully healed, when we are fully whole, And we're on that journey to be fully free. And I believe that the purpose of the Christian life, the invitation that the Father has for us, is to go on that journey to wholeness. And that it's not just a list of rules and regulations of what we do. It's an invitation to become whole. 
And then it's an invitation to then submit our wholeness and in following him to be knit and threaded and weaved into a bigger picture, sometimes standing back so another can come forward in order that something beautiful is knit, in order that we can demonstrate to the world the beautiful father heart of God. And I have really wrestled over the years. My heart has been to follow God and to love him, but I found that my self-effort hasn't got me very far. And, and I would get frustrated when people just didn't tell me what to do. You know, and I would read the Bible and I would try really hard to do all of those things in that hope to please God, I think. And when I talk to people about, actually, no, 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 I think, well, no, let me stop. As I've kind of grown and followed the Lord, and as I've observed him, I've come to the conclusion that the only thing that brings wholeness to us is experiencing the Father's love. And I think the scriptures are littered with this Father God seeking out to love us and make us whole. And this can make us panic, so we think, well, what about the Bible? I mean, there are things to do, and there's the Ten Commandments. And I think what I've learned to understand is that the Bible's a bit like a manual to a new toy or a new car or, you know... These manuals are created by the person who's created the car or the toy, and they're there to get the best out of it. They're there so that you can fully enjoy that remote control helicopter or fully enjoy your new car, and you can use it to your detriment and to, or to your benefit. You read it, you understand what you're doing fully so that you can get the best out of it. And the scripture is this incredible book that demonstrates the Father's heart to us so that we can live life to the full. And it's there not that we can earn God's love. We don't earn God's love by being good and by being obedient to the laws and the rules in the Bible. Because God is love. He has always loved us, and our behavior and our decisions don't change that. And it's really important we get this. Like, God's nature is wood. This, um, I'm all over the place. This podium is made of wood. And whatever I do in front of this podium, whether I cuss it, kick it, turn my back on it, call it all the names, go my own way. When I come back to it, it is still wood, isn't it? I have not changed its nature. And God's nature is unchanging. He is love. And how we behave doesn't change that. He loves us. And he wants to come and make his home in us. The wonderful thing in John 14 and 15, one of my favorite passages of scripture Right at the beginning, Jesus says, you know, you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So right from the beginning, this isn't about trying to get yourself right. You are clean. I have done it. I love you. Now come, let me, let me make my home in you. 
And I find this incredible, like the God that created the stars and the universe and the one, like I'm a scientist and I, and the wonder of the cell and the human body and the genius and, and the power of that. He wants to come and make his home in us. And the invitation to the Christian life starts with God's love in us. And as we grow and experience that love, we are transformed and we become whole. And as we are transformed and we become whole and be all that he has called us to be, experiencing the fullness of his peace and his joy with whatever we face, we glorify the Father and we become fully alive. And so I want to take a pause for a moment. I want to take a pause for a moment. Lucy, if you just want to come up. Oh, I feel like I'm struggling tonight. Are you all right? (laughs) It's been too long. Um, I want to pause because I want, before we start talking about finding God in the everyday, I feel like all of us just need to stop a moment. And has our Christian walk just become about doing the right thing and attending the right service? Has it been about trying to be good enough? Because if it has, I just want to put that invitation again. I just want to close your eyes at the moment and relax and and ask your own heart. Just have that fresh invitation to allow the Father's love to come and make its home, his home in you. That this journey of faith, that this Christian faith, that the wonder of the gospel is that Jesus has made a way so that we can open our hearts and the Father's love can come and live and abide and reside and make his home in us. And I just want to remind us about that love. You know, the Father's love to us is patient. He is patient with you, more patient than you are with yourself. And his love is kind, and he comes to bring his kindness to you. His love makes no record of your wrongs. His love has taken your sin and your brokenness and and has removed it as far as the east is from the west. And his love always believes in you. His love never quits on you. Though a mother could maybe forget the child at her breast, he will never forget you. He cannot leave you and he will pursue you. And his love always protects. And it always hopes for you. His love comes to comfort you. He does not come to condemn you, but to bring you life. He does not come to shame you, but to bring you healing. And before we go on, just in the quietness of your own heart, to start afresh, Father, come and live in my heart. 
come and live in my heart. Come and show me your love. Jesus says that he wants to make his love known to you. His heart is that you would know his love. His heart is to make you whole. His scripture says that what he has begun in you, he will complete. It's not even your work. going to take us on a journey where he will never leave us and little by little he will transform us from one glory to another and bring our wholeness so that we would know what it is to live and be alive and that we would display his glory to the world that we would be thread together to create a beautiful story and a beautiful picture for the world to see that speaks of a good good father who is for us and with us and in us. Who will come and transform you from the inside out. In this moment, just welcome him in to your heart. Thank you, Father. Thank you. So I wanted to talk about some of the practical things about how, you know, we, all of us want to be fully alive, don't we? We all just want to be all that God's created us to be. We all want to know the joy and the peace that he offers. We all want to get it right. So if it's about knowing the Father's love, if it's, if it's about shifting from trying and trying to be good but to seeking the Father's face and seeking the Father's love. How, how do we do that? You know, it's in my life, like I feel I went for many years like a beggar with a beggar's bowl, going from one meeting to the next, desperate, you know, for a word, for a prophetic word. I would read books, I would, and yet I, nothing was happening on the inside. So how do we in this moment experience in that? And tomorrow and the next day, Because I believe it is possible and I believe it is worth pursuing and I believe it will bring colour to our world. I think there's two things I felt I wanted to mention. Or three. The first of all, we need to accept the gap. We don't need to mind the gap. We need to accept the gap. That there is a gap between what we long to be and who we are what we long to be and who we are. And that is all right. I need to say over you tonight that you are enough. You are enough. You haven't got to be anything more. You haven't got to hide your brokenness. You haven't got to keep the secrets locked away. You haven't got to be something you're not. You're enough. You are enough. You don't have to try anymore. You're enough. And the problem is, for some of us, we see the gap and we try to fill it. And we try to make it better. Or we see the gap and we pretend it's not there. But the invitation to wholeness starts with us bringing the whole of who we are before a loving Father. 
And that's all of our brokenness, all of our anger, all of our wrongdoing, and all of our beauty. I have this expression that I've taken from the Song of Songs, where it says, I am dark, but I am beautiful. And when I just like have torn my hair out because Annie is driving me mad, or when I've thought some really awful things about my husband and planned his funeral, yeah, come on, we do it. We do it. You know, I don't hide and I don't run from God. I stand in front of him and go, do you know, I am dark, but I am beautiful. and I am going to stand under your loving gaze because I know that you love me. And as I do that, his love changes something in me. Where shame, when we run and hide, keeps us from God. And so we have to accept the gap. And that is hugely liberating. You are okay as you are, and you can come before the Father as you are. Hallelujah. That is liberating. I remember going to Felderbrennan with my mother. That was the um, worshipping prayerful community in Wales, um, where Roy's going to come and speak. Yeah. Um, and so I'd read his book, and I was like, oh, I've got to go, and gave it to my mum, and my mum was like, oh, I've got to go. And we went, and, um, and we went with great expectation. We went for three days to stay, and, and, uh, and, uh, and anyway, by day two, I'd had enough of my mum. Like, I just, I, oh, my goodness, all of those buttons she had pushed, and I wasn't thinking very nice thoughts. And here I was on a spiritual retreat trying to be holy. And, um, and so I thought, I've got to go for a walk. And I marched through the Welsh hillside, saying a lot of things to the Lord about my mother. And she's going to listen to this and not be very happy that I've... But I have a great relationship with my mum, and I really love her. Um, and I'm marching away to finally, I've vented all of my frustration. And I'm standing in the middle of this field, and uh, it's all quiet. And I felt the father say something to me. That helped me in this accepting this gap we have. He went, Sally, your failures are more of an issue to you than they are to me. Get over them. Your failures, they're more of an issue to you than they are to God. We just need to get over them. We need to accept the gap and accept ourselves in our brokenness and our insufficiencies and bring the whole of who we are before the Father. The other thing I felt I needed to say in this journey is that this is my phrase at the moment, compare and despair. And the thing is, like that thread, we can want to be a different color and we can be wanting to do different things and we can want to be at the front and we can constantly be trying to be something else, looking at what somebody else is doing or wearing or blah, 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 blah. blah. We go on and on as women, don't we? We never stop. And, uh, and the Lord spoke to me through an orchestra. I don't like to mix my metaphors, but pausing the tapestry. Um, you know, an orchestra is made of all different instruments. And it's when they submit to each other and, and play with each other and give each other room to be a solo for a moment and be in the background for a moment. It creates something incredibly beautiful that takes people to another place. And the thing is, my friends here, Lucy and Sam. Lucy is like, she's like a flute. Like, when she worships and with her life, it's one of those melodious things that kind of float around the room and transports you somewhere beautiful. 
And the thing is, me and Sam are like trumpets. <laughs> and when we're in a prayer meeting, we want to top off heads and blow horns and be aggressive and bring some walls down and tell them how it is. And, and the thing is, the Lord told me one day, Sally, you are like a trumpet. But if the trumpet plays all the time, everybody will have a headache. And do you know, the other day, two weeks ago, we were in a prayer meeting. We meet every Monday night. I actually gave my friend a migraine because I got caught up in being me. And, and I wasn't really thinking about the rest of the room and listening what was going on. And I just trumpeted too much. And I gave her a migraine. And the thing is, like, we have to learn to accept who we are in the orchestra of life. And we have to learn to play together and allow each other time to have the limelight and not have the limelight and be comfortable with where we are. And every time we compare, whether it's our body weight, our hairstyle, what we're wearing, our jobs, our ministries in church, we will be full of despair. The moment you feel despair creeping in your heart, it'll be because you're comparing yourself pretty much 90% of the time. And I need to tell you that you need to be fully you so that your neighbor can be fully her and we can create something beautiful that demonstrates the Father's heart to the world. And we can create a beautiful piece of music that says something beautiful about our God. Now, how we experience this day to day, like I listen to Anne and I could just listen to her all day. And the ministry here it is just a gift to this community. Like, I would love to have this where we are. And part of some of the stuff we're on with in, in St. Anne's is some of this helping people encounter the Father's heart. And there is so much that, you know, you can get. I've been on the quiet days and I encourage you to bless this ministry and go on the days because you will there is so much to learn about this encountering God's love and how we do it and the different ways through the skies through art through through meditating on beautiful pictures through listening to music through our worship like I could go on and on and you have a wealth at your fingertips to engage with here that can encourage you and take you deeper in becoming um, whole and becoming who the Father has created you to be. But there's one thing I wanted to bring. Yeah, I've got another five minutes. Great. That I wanted to bring because I feel like it's the bedrock to everything else we do. And, and we cannot be ignored. And it's something that is often overlooked and not practiced in our present day. And it's this. We need to learn the art of being present. We need to learn the art of being present. Now that might sound really strong because it's like, uh, hello, I'm here. So where else am I? Like I am in the room. But do you know what? Most of us for chunks of our time are not present. I work as a GP. I see huge amounts of mental health issues. And I would say a majority of my, my uh, mild to moderate anxiety and depression is because people are living either in the future in their minds. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I don't do that? And then that happens that I won't have enough money for this. And we go on and we go on and we are actually in the future. And because we are in the future thinking about these things, it then triggers emotions in us that make us feel anxious. Or we are melancholic and we are living in the past. 
And because we're living in the past and thinking about that circumstance or what they did to me or how I'm a victim of this, it provokes emotions in us that make us feel depressed. And actually part of being present is helping our minds be present. Thing is, God, right at the beginning of the Old Testament, introduces himself. He introduces himself to Moses at the burning bush. And Moses says, um, who am I to say sent me? And God says, say I am sent me. I mean, that is so random. Am I, I am is, is not a noun. And um, it's, it's a tense. But the thing is, God is I am. And we are created in his, in his image. And we are I am beings. And we can only experience the Father's love now, in this moment. He will be in your future, and he was in your past. But in terms of encounter, in terms of experiencing God in the everyday, we need to learn to get present. And we need to learn to get present because God is spirit, and we are spirit. And God speaks to our spirit. And we need to learn to be attentive to what the spirit is saying. And the only way I can kind of help you get this is it's been really windy, hasn't it, today? And if I went out with a big see-through box and I scooped up the wind and closed it up and brought it in here and I went, there is the wind, you'd be like, mm, maybe, maybe not. Okay, I'll take your word for it. But the thing is, the wind communicates its presence through the rustling of the trees, through the shaking of the windows and the slamming of the door. It provokes thoughts and emotions um, of maybe a previous storm or a feeling of a childhood. Um, and, and, um, or the feeling of it on our face. That is how the wind communicates to us. And the thing is, the spirit is the same. It communicates us through our thoughts. He communicates through our emotions. He can communicate through our auditory hearing and, and through our seeing. But he communicates through the natural things and our natural senses. And the problem is if we're not present, if we're always caught up in our emotions or always caught up in the future or always caught up in the past, we are going to miss what God is saying to us now in this moment. In this moment. Lou, still want to come up? Mm. Um, I taught you a practice the last time I was here called the examine. I'm not going to teach it now, but I'd recommend it to you, looking it up. It basically helps us catch up with ourselves. It basically asks the question about your day when you kind of reflect back about what, um, what are our highs and what are our lows. Those are the words I use with my kids. And um, I want to just take a moment now where you just reflect for a moment about what God has been saying to you now. Maybe something's hurt and it needs acknowledging. I think you've got, have they got um, paper and pencil on your things or not? No. Okay, we can note, if you've got a journal, you can note it down. But just to, just to take a moment to listen, 
God wants to speak to you and the issue isn't he isn't speaking. We've just lost the art of being present. We've just lost the art of listening. We're kind of waiting for one day experiences when he raises the dead and we miss hearing him through the beauty of the wind or the kind act of a friend or the wisdom of a word or a picture or a memory an imagination where he wants to come and just speak to you and so with the examine we just say oh father what what hurt what drew me away but then we ask what drew me close what has he said tonight where your heart has felt touched and you can do this every day of your life I do this with my children every day when we sit around the dinner table and every night you can sit on the end of your bed and you can say father this is what I heard you doing today this is what brought me joy this is what felt good And but father this hurt and you can bring the hurt and the brokenness and the pain and you can allow him to speak into that every day of your life and every time we do it a little part of our heart becomes alive again. And we grow and we change from one glory to another. And we walk forward on this journey of wholeness. So if you just want to close your eyes, Luce might sing over you. Sam might join me on the stage if she wants to. speak over each of these women that they are enough again to speak that word 
speak over you that you are enough that you are loved and though your life might seem like a simple thread as you offer it to him he will take it and make it beautiful I speak over those that feel like they're lost in the back of the tapestry in a sea of knots and forgotten that he has not forgotten you he has not forgotten you and he has purpose and in his time he will bring you forward and create something more beautiful Father that there's no shame there's no shame between you and the Father and that thing that you feel ashamed about the thing that's locked away the thing that you did when you were 18 and nobody knows and it's okay and what we hand over he can heal in your time when you're ready over the next weeks and months when you feel safe enough he will be there to receive that from you I see a picture of a lady with um, hands full of ashes of grief it's like they fill the hems of her garments and they they pull her down and they're a robber of hope. And he says, Come, give me your ashes, and I will give you a garment of praise. Trust me. Trust me. Little by little, each handful, not everything all at once, but little by little, give me those ashes and let me breathe hope. There is hope. And I want to bear them for you. Every handful, little by little. Father. people here and you you hold your brokenness so tight you hold it in your hand and when anyone comes near you think the best thing to do is just to clench because that way no one sees it but the truth is the more you hold on to your brokenness the more it cuts you the more the wounds go deeper and the blood actually pours down your hand and everyone sees it anyway. God never intended you to hold your brokenness. God asked for an open hand and the Father says to you today, give it to me. It's not your job to carry it. 
I bore your brokenness on that cross. I took it all. I went to hell and back for you so that you don't need to bear the scars on your hand. I bear the scars on my hand. And in the Bible, it talks about our weakness. And it says that if you give him your weakness, you in return, you get his strength. Actually, he comes into his own in your weakness. So open your hand. Let him have your brokenness. And let him in turn give you his strength. Sometimes, like, um, it's really hard to let go of things. Um, sometimes it's really hard to dislodge fear out of your life. Um, but the more we focus on the fear, the greater its grip. And, uh, and the invitation is to lift our eyes and just dare to believe in his love. Dare to gaze just long enough and... And it says that his perfect love then comes and drives out our fear. And sometimes we haven't got to get it out of us and we haven't got to wrestle any longer and we haven't got to try and put it right. We've just got to shift our heart to say, I can't do it. Come. Let your love come. Let your love come, Father. Let your love come. You are beautiful.
I've just uh, got a sense that, you know, there's a couple of older ladies here that have done some life with Jesus and the Father, and you have journeyed some stuff and proved him faithful. You've seen him provide and heal and comfort you, and you're like this deep well. And... Um, I just, I feel the need to say that you need to let some women in your life come drink from that deep well and from your wisdom. Yeah. Mm, there's a challenge to you. Not to keep hidden, but to reach out in your place of worship, in your place where you do life. pray that the courage of the Father would rest upon you as you seek to reach out and offer living water and some will reject you and some will come drink and walk away and never thank you you'll just see their back and you'll see them go on to prosper and but some will come and linger some will drink of the riches of your journey that we need to hear your stories of his faithfulness actually feel like there is no more hope that you feel that your promise is dead that it might be in a pile of bones on the floor or in a pile of ashes or and you feel that there is no more hope at all and it tells us in the Bible that even when there was no hope Abraham still believed. He still believed. And I've come, I want to tell you tonight that you have to still believe. That it it might look like there's no hope, but it also looked like Jesus had died on a cross. But God wants to breathe his resurrection power into your promise. He wants to breathe his resurrection power into your dreams. If you will only trust again, if you will only still believe, if you will only hold out your hand and let him take you and lead you. But hope is not dead. Hope is not dead. 